Maya back again, guys. I have one more update for y'all. My Take now has a Patreon. I'm trying to expand the My Take community and also expand my earnings a little bit by creating a Patreon. We have three tiers, and in the top tier, we're actually starting a My Take book club. So anybody who joins, we're going to be reading a book together a month, and there's going to be monthly live streams and Discord benefits. So I'd really, really, really appreciate it if you could go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Hey guys, it's Maya, and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf, and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun, and they're all on the Instagram, so go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. So this book tries really hard to be enemies to lovers, but it's more unrequited love, to be honest. It's like the author was like, I'm going to make an enemies to lovers book. But instead of buying the enemies to lovers starter pack, she was like, I'm good enough. I can do this on my own. I don't need a starter pack and ended up doing so much to it that we got unrequited love instead. I'm talking about Faker by Sarah Smith, which follows Emmy, who works in basically an all-male company in this like construction business. And so she feels like she has to fake being super tough and Tate, her at-work enemy, and he is really just, like, a child, basically, and he hates her because he has a crush on her and can't deal with his feelings, and it's their story, and the book was okay. It was very steamy, but I feel like if it wasn't so steamy, it would have been YA because the drama is kind of childish. I mean, it couldn't have been YA because they're, like, both legitimate adults, but if you had made them non-adults and if you had made it not steamy, it would have been YA. The drama was very childish. I had a fun time reading it, which is why we're here, but I definitely have some opinions. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who listens, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. always with a book we're going to start with a little bit on the writing and the writing was fine nothing really to write home about no pun intended the banter was not the high quality enemies to lovers banter we need and deserve the banter was just kind of normal like it wasn't I didn't get the feeling and this could have been just because I didn't get the feeling of enemies to lovers but I didn't get the feeling of like that back and forth that enemies to lovers really has and encompasses like I said earlier it's very steamy but also the book was very easy the drama didn't really feel developed for me everything kind of just felt like it fell into place and the characters didn't really have to work very hard and they didn't have to grow and develop and change as people it just kind of felt like oh, this happens, this happens, this happens, and we're okay. They feel kind of very static just moving through the plot. And, like, the drama, he accidentally kissed his ex was the whole big penultimate, like, drama moment. So it just, it felt very easy. Like I said, it felt very childish, so I don't know. 
And now, moving on, we are going to talk, before we jump into the plot, about Emmy as a mixed-race character, because I am mixed-race, and so anytime I see somebody who's mixed-race in a book, I feel like I really need to talk about it, and because mixed-race representation is so important, it's something that I, as I've grown up, have realized is how important it really is and how much we lack of it, I think because of so many different factors, but specifically with what I've seen about like the one drop rule and stuff, right? Obama was America's first mixed race president. He was not just the first black president. And if he wants to say he's just black, that is his right. But it just annoys me when people won't acknowledge both of their sides. And I know I it's hard for me. I can't really speak from that perspective because I'm not half black. My halves are white and Indian. And so I don't, I shouldn't be speaking from that perspective. It's just like from my perspective and is somebody who won't just go around saying I'm Indian. I mean, if somebody asks, are you Indian American? I'll say yes, but I'll also say I'm mixed. I'm half. And so that's been, it's like been such a pivotal experience for me. And so I want to make sure I'm talking about it. And I wish more celebrities who are mixed would talk about it and would claim both of their identities. And the media would let people claim both of their identities instead of just saying one or saying, you know, so I feel like mixed race representation is so important. That was all All of that was to say I feel like mixed race representation is so important and so when I saw that she was mixed I had to talk about it and I don't know how I feel about her as a mixed race character. She wasn't as bad as fucking Dev from A Model Fiance and if you've not read A Model Fiance don't but go you don't need to read it to do this go on to my Instagram at underscore my take and look for the bottom shelf episode on a model fiance it will be under my IGTV things because the bottom shelf is a IGTV series that I have going on shorter reviews on things and he was just terrible horrible like I have it's a 12 minute rant please go listen to it I think it's really important and I've been trying to signal boost it recently because I just I think it's a really important thing and it's one of the things I'm most proud of in my entire podcasting career so Emmy wasn't as bad as that but I don't think she was great either obviously not all mixed people feel caught between two worlds right or multiple worlds because you can be mixed with three four or five to the nth degree right so not all mixed people feel caught between worlds even though that may be my experience it's not everybody's which is fine and you don't need to write that and especially because emmy lived with her mom for most of her life and her mom is her filipina parent but she didn't necessarily read as mixed race to me like if you had not told me she was mixed I don't know what I would have assumed she was but I don't know that I would have assumed mixed and I don't know if Sarah Smith is mixed I tried to look into this and I can't tell Sarah Smith writes Filipina characters but she looks white I don't know I I couldn't find confirmation anywhere on like I didn't look too deep into this but like I looked through her author website and I tried to figure out in all of the research that I've done she hasn't directly come out and said like oh this is my culture in any of the interviews that I've read with her she hasn't come out and said oh this is my culture so I felt really strongly about writing it and so I don't know I don't want to say she's not because I don't know but I also want to say that I felt like it could have been easy to just make Emmy mixed as like an exotic thing because even if Sarah Smith is and Sarah Smith has written other books about Filipina leads so maybe she is maybe this is her way of talking about it and writing about it but it didn't feel to me regardless of any of the history of it say Emmy's mixed and it's come from good intentions and it is Sarah Smith's culture and perspective and everything right 
it felt like it wasn't affecting Emmy's upbringing and her life now. It felt like it was just something that was there that didn't actually affect the story. And that's fine. And we need to move into a world where we've told so many stories about mixed race characters and we told so many stories about minority characters from every race, class, culture, society, sexuality, identity, that we don't need to have these groundbreaking books like Angie Thomas's work or like Britt Bennett's work or like Sajni Patel who writes Indian rom-coms, right? Like we don't need to have it be so overwhelming and not necessarily, not that it's overwhelming, but it definitely comes through and that's a big focus of those books. Like even with Sajni Patel who wrote the trouble with hating you which i have an episode on and it's an indian rom-com but the indian culture and the kind of trying to educate the people the readers on indian culture is there and it comes through a lot right and so we need to move into a world where characters can just be the race that they are and people understand or not understand but people can recognize the implications that come with that but i feel like we're not there yet and so if you're going to write, especially if you're going to write it, it is your culture and it is your perspective. I personally would rather have it be a bigger part of the book and a bigger part of the story. I would feel more represented with it being a bigger part of the book and a bigger part of the story, right? I don't feel like this book has mixed race representation. It doesn't register to me. Like if you would ask me what books would have mixed race representation, I would say The Boyfriend Project by Farrah Roshan because our love interest is mixed and I love that. I love him. And I think it's portrayed pretty well. Legend by Marie Lu. Day is mixed. He comes from Mongolian descent. I think a lot of Marie Lu's books, it's just kind of all of the characters are an amalgamation of a bunch of different Asian cultures. And because she writes fantasy YA, she doesn't necessarily have to give it a thing. But you can tell there's definitely minority representation in there. And I don't know. I'm drawing blanks. I feel like there's not very many books out there with mixed race representation and good effective mixed race representation and so it feels like if you're gonna do it I want you to do it right and I want it to be a bigger part of the story especially because the drama in this book is so lacking and so just I don't know about the drama like it feels very juvenile so it wouldn't have taken away from the drama or the story to have her be mixed and have it be a bigger thing in her life. And it also would have been so easy to say that it was easy for Emmy to be fake at work because she's always having to be fake because she, or not fake, but she's always having to like switch in and out of different identities because of her mixed race background. Like there's so many things that you could do to this and from this that would actually add to the story and develop the story and develop the characters and develop the drama a lot more that I feel like there's just a huge missed opportunity and so it was fine I don't think it was detrimental I don't think it was done necessarily harmfully or badfully badfully badly I think it's a very neutral mixed race experience I just wish it would have been done better and not like hey here's this minority character I wish it would have been like hey, she's mixed, pay attention to the story and pay attention to the effect it has had on her life. So yeah, I've been talking a lot. We haven't even gotten to the plot yet because it's just, it's such an important thing to me. And so I feel like I need to talk about it. And I feel like if I'm mixed and I have this platform, I need to be sharing my experiences. So thank you for listening to me ramble on about that. Now we are finally going to get into the plot and Tate clearly likes Emmy, right? Like, And Emmy clearly thinks he's hot from the very beginning. And, you know, Tate is trying to 
help Emmy fend off creepy work guys. And then he just goes about it in the wrong way when he's talking to her. He's so like condescending and kind of creepy and weird. Not creepy, but like he just interacts with her really weirdly. And then he ropes her into this one-on-one project and is clearly disappointed that she thinks it'll be a disaster. So once again, we see evidence of him liking Emmy. And Emmy The one thing I really like about Emmy is her with Caitlin and baby Libby is very adorable and I did not see enough of baby Libby in this book because baby Libby was adorable. And then Emmy starts helping Jamie or is talking to Jamie and flirting with Jamie while he's unloading things and Tate gets so super jealous and is so rude and it's so unwarranted. Like that's the one thing I don't like about Tate is his jealousy is so unwarranted and uncalled for and jealousy is so unattractive. Like I hate the whole nobody can touch her. She's mine. If you touch her, I'll kill you. If you look at her, I'll kill you. Like I hate those right? Like, I mean, I've watched 365 Days, but I didn't enjoy myself watching 365 Days, right? I've read Fifty Shades of Grey, but I didn't enjoy myself reading Fifty Shades of Grey because Christian Grey is fucked up and that love story's shit. But I hate that. And Tate has a lot of that. And I hate where it comes from with Tate too, because he literally just has this crush and he hasn't told her. He hasn't admitted his feelings. He hasn't talked to her. They don't have like a relationship or a friendship or anything where it's like warranted for him to be this jealous. He's just this jealous because he has it in his head that like he's in love with her or whatever. And so it's so fucking annoying. And like, It is nice that we find out that Tate brings Cal lunch and gives him money since Cal's wife is sick, but, like, he's still a little bit of a jealous asshole and I don't like him. And then we get to the build site and Tate checks Emmy out and then proceeds to, again, sabotage Jamie asking her out, which is so stupid and idiotic and I don't like it. And then Jamie takes her rock climbing and she tries but she freaks out and so Tate has to like from the ground lead her down the wall and then he comforts her and this whole scene like I'm not trying to minimize fears of heights because they can be very real but I don't know why she wasn't honest I don't know why she agreed I don't know why she couldn't have been like oh can we do something different like can we go on a walk or go to dinner right like this scene didn't need to be there clearly it needed to be there because we needed to see the oh Tate rock climbs and Tate can lead her down this wall and da 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 but I don't know I it was I was not a huge fan and then we see anti-Valentine's day trivia or it's not anti-valentine's day but it's like valentine's day it's september or something trivia and they're at the bar and they're pretending to be a couple to do this and i feel like this was not utilized enough because you're anyways you're trying to be enemies to lovers but you're actually being unrequited love so why don't you just throw in a little bit of fake dating like you're already setting them up for this whole like well we're playing as a couple there should have been like a kiss round or something like so much wasted opportunity here. But anyways, Emmy sees texts on Tate's phone about her. So they have this huge fight. But then after the fight, they wind up in his car and it's this like intense, amazing ache between the legs making out. But then Emmy immediately leaves and goes to be with Jamie. Like, This whole situation is so fucking stupid. First of all, Tate's explanation about his text is so stupid. Like, he's like, oh, don't worry about it or whatever. I don't even remember what he says. I didn't write it down. But it's so fucking stupid. 
And then, like, why wouldn't he just say, like, oh, it's not about you, or oh, I was talking about you because I like you, or, like, I just, there's so many better things he could have done. And then, Emmy just had, like, amazing, uh, an amazing makeout session with this dude, and then goes to run off to be with Jamie, who brought you to a situation where made you uncomfortable, and then he wasn't even the one who could help you out of that situation. So, like, I don't understand. And then it gets worse because we get to work and Emmy brings up the kiss. And even though Tate says, like, he's like, I wanted to kiss you. I wanted to ask you to stay. And obviously they eventually agree that, like, they have to forget or whatever. But he, like, he's admitting he's like, I wanted to kiss you and I wanted you to stay. And, like, I wanted that experience. She thinks she twists it around so hard in her head that somehow she comes up with, Tate didn't bring up the kiss. So he doesn't care. Which, like... Maybe. Maybe if you hadn't had a conversation about it, I would accept this thing, right? Like, if you walked into work and it was just radio silence from him and he was giving the silent treatment or whatever, then I feel like you could be like, okay, Tate didn't bring up the kiss. Clearly, he didn't care. It was just a one-off, whatever. But you brought up the kiss and Tate was like, no, I wanted the kiss and I wanted to ask you to stay. I didn't want you to go with Jamie. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then you're like, oh, but he didn't bring it up, so he doesn't care. Like, fuck you! How do you get to that conclusion? Like, I don't know who the hell she is with this logic because it makes no fucking sense and it's so fucking annoying. Like, this entire book. Do you see what I mean about this book and this drama being weird? Like, what what the fuck? And then... Emmy is, like, checking Tate out at the build site, and Jamie shows up, and it kind of starts to get a little love triangle here, which I don't appreciate, and then, of course, Chekhov's build site. If you have a build site where there's ladders and construction and somebody has the potential to get hurt, Emmy has to get hurt, so she falls, and Tate, being the jealous rage monster that he is, swoops in and is like, nobody can touch her, I'm taking her to the hospital, back the fuck up, she's mine, even though she isn't. And he takes her to the hospital, and he stays with her in her hospital bed, and she admits that she has issues with having an orgasm with a guy, which, here's my deal. If you're going to present, and I I need to walk this line carefully because Love Letters did this too, but if you're going to present the issue of having an orgasm with a guy, it needs to be an issue. It can't just be that this guy is this magical fix, right? I don't appreciate that. And the same thing kind of happens in Love Letters, or not love letters, love lettering, there's a similar theme, and it's like, why? Because romance novels are moving in this direction where consent is ongoing and expressed multiple times, and it's beautiful, and we're moving into the stage of, it's not like a Nicholas Sparks or an early 2000s sex scene where everything just, you imagine all going really quiet, and it's just perfectal, perfectal, perfect and magical, and never awkward and never embarrassing or never whatever we're moving towards this thing in romance where sometimes sex scenes are awkward but in a good way in a fun way and they're chatty and they're consensual very consensual and sexy and hot while still being like awkward and weird and like oh stop like let's move or what like it's just sex scenes are moving in such a good positive way that I feel like if you're gonna do this do it right you know like bring it up make it a thing and my reference for this is wallbanger if you've read the book wallbanger skip the next let's say minute I'll give myself a minute to talk about wallbanger okay cool skip a minute if you don't want wallbanger spoilers starting now. Okay, so in Wallbanger, Caroline has trouble having an orgasm, and so she 
basically the entire book it's like how do I get my orgasm back like why the hell like not with a guy not with herself whatever it's a main plot point in the book and so throughout the entire time she's with Simon or she's trying to get with Simon because they don't get together for a while in that book but getting together whatever whatever and then they go to Spain and on this trip and the whole idea is like at the end of this trip they're gonna have sex and they have sex and she has to fake it because even with Simon, who's like this perfect guy for her, she can't have it or she doesn't get her orgasm back. And so, and so they fly back to the United States and they have this amazing sex scene where it's like Caroline finding her orgasm, but it actually takes work and it takes effort. And so it's like, you see how much that actually affects her and that actually impacts her and it actually becomes like a theme throughout the book. So with Emmy, I wish it would have been a thing because there's ample amounts of sex scenes in this book that didn't come out right but there's plenty of smut and it doesn't become a thing but anyways back in the hospital emmy's showering him with compliments while high on morphine and then she realizes she has her appendix she has to have she has appendicitis and i was calling this from the beginning she was like i have pain in my lower right side and i was like you have appendicitis why the fuck is nobody checking for this but after her surgery, Tate brings her mangoes and then sits on the toilet while she bathes to make sure that she doesn't, like, slip and hurt herself or whatever. And he, while she was out, got management to fire the creepy dude because creepy dude was clear, was creepy to other women in the workforce. And then when Emmy gets back to work, she gets a teddy bear that Jamie sends her. And it isn't a huge thing, thankfully. I was like, fuck, Tate's gonna go over the edge because he's a fucking jealous, stupid, idiot person. But that doesn't become a thing. But then also, the thing that doesn't become a thing that should become a thing is the fact that Tate tells Jamie not to come to the hospital. Like, fuck you. You don't get to have that control. You're not in a relationship. You don't you're not even a friend that knows that she doesn't want to see Jamie, right? For all you know, she's less than after Jamie. Screw you, buddy, right? Like, I don't understand why. And Jamie clearly obviously could have come anyways. I'm not on team Jamie. I'm just saying that Tate's controlling behavior needs to be addressed because he literally is like, don't come to the hospital. Like, fuck you. Stop doing this. Like, it's in After 2, which I hate myself for having watched both After movies. I've refused to read the books, but I've watched the movies because they show up on Netflix and what the hell else am I going to do with my life? But in the second one, fucking Trevor or whatever, the guy who's supposed to be the good guy tells Harden not to come to the hospital, like answers Tessa's phone. Like what? Why are we answering people's phones without their consent? Like the only time I'm going to let somebody answer my phone for me is if I'm in the room and I, they're like, Maya's phone, this person's speaking, and then will hand it to me, right? Like, stop this. Stop it, stop it. And, like, she forgives Tate later for telling Jamie not to come to the hospital, but doesn't get on him about it for taking away her choice. Like, it's never actually a thing. She's never like, I don't like the way that you took away my choice and told Jamie not to come to the hospital. She's just like, oh, whatever, I'm fine with it. Like, no. No, 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 no. And then, throughout her entire recovery, Emmy and Tate can't really hang out because otherwise he'll rip her clothes off, which, like, paging Christian Grey, you have a kindred spirit over here. That is not how it works. And we should not be perpetuating. Like, that should not be sexy. Like, consent should be sexy. Like, the, like, okay, there is something to, like, like, there is something to be like, oh my god, I can't keep my hands off you. But not in 
this situation, right? Like, it shouldn't be, like, I can't even hang out with you because I'm gonna, like, not be able to control myself, right? Like, that's not okay. And we should not, as romance readers and authors and consumers and whatever, be perpetuating this because it plays into, you know, boys will be boys mentality and this toxic masculinity that we're working so hard to bring to light and combat, combat in the real world. We should not be doing this. We should not be writing characters who are like, I can't control myself. I'm just a ball of sexual need. And if I don't am around a woman long enough, I'm just going to like pillage her body. Like, no, 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 no. You should be able to hang out with her and be able to be around her and be able to want to take care of her because you like her as a person and don't just want her for her body and are not just like a walking dick. Like, I don't understand. And then we finally get to, like, their third date or whatever, and Emmy gives him bread, which I love this. This was one of the funny, tiny little pieces where I was like, I love this, that she's literally giving him bread because it's all she can think to give him. And we learn on this date how Tate got compared to his really extroverted sister his whole life, and so this is where, like, his drama and his, like, tragic backstory comes from. And then... In a kind of public, kind of fill, or not kind of public, in a very public, kind of filled up parking lot, they have intense, like, fog up the car windows, nipples and mouths making out, which, like, I'm all for the making out in the car, but, like, drive to a secluded place first, like, really, in this public, kind of crowded parking lot, like, wh- why, why, like, a lot of their making out happens in very public places, and I don't understand why they can't just go somewhere not so public like don't you have bank out spots in this town and then emmy makes tate funfetti cupcakes and they spend the night cuddling and then she defends him at work and points out this dude's mistake because work whatever drama yada 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 and then she accidentally sends tate a picture of her legs in the tub so then she like touches herself and they have phone sex but she doesn't actually make herself come so like the whole point of this was wasted I guess I don't know and there was that whole scene and then Emmy surprises him at his rugby game so then Tate takes her back to his place and goes down on her and then sees that she has an HR relationship form but doesn't freak out and they're like okay we're gonna fill these out together and I was like kind of glad because I didn't want him to freak out and I was like okay this is good you're making the right steps like in one aspect of this you're actually doing this right and then they're gonna have sex for the first time but his sister is stuck on the side of the road so they don't and then we get this random scene it, it's not random but it feels random in the sense that like Caitlin is all you know Emmy you're not really like faking your tough exterior you know that right you don't let people in which like oh big whoop it's called faker and she doesn't have to fake it like it, it It wasn't explained well enough and I didn't know enough about her past and her background and everything to understand this, right? Like, I wanted to know that and then it be a revelation just for Emmy. I didn't want to have to be like, I don't know, just like, it, it didn't feel important, it didn't feel impactful, it didn't feel big to me. And then, we have another moment where Tate channels his inner Christian Grey because he's all like, 
if I do anything more than kiss you, we won't stop. Like, no. Consent can be revoked at any time. It's ongoing. It should be expressed continually for every act that you do. And, like, consent is sexy. Like, it's not cute. Saying, like, oh, if I do anything more than kiss you, we're not going to stop. It's not cute. Like, you should be able to just kiss and kiss and then be like, okay, we kissed. Great. Like, we don't want to have sex tonight or you don't want to, you can't have sex because of your stitches or whatever. Right? Like, it just, it's not cute and we need to stop stop perpetuating these things in rom-coms and then we go to the high school reunion and we meet natalie tate's twin sister and tate has cleared out a drawer for her at his house and for someone who doesn't like to move fast that's been one of tate's things this entire time he's like i like to take relationships slow that is a huge step and it doesn't feel like they've actually been together that long so like eh and then we learn that Tate's ex looks exactly like Emmy, which I think this is not explored enough because, like, they have a conversation about, like, am I just a fetish for you? And he is all like, no. But I, I don't know. Like, again, I feel like this book brings up some things that it actually could be a very deep, very impactful, empowering, inspiring, makes you think book. But it kind of just brings these things up and is like, do you want to think about this? No, move on. You know? And so Tate kisses the ex that looks exactly like Emmy in front of everybody and can't explain it. This is my thing. Is like if you walked up to her when Emmy runs down the hallway and it's like, look, I'm really fucking sorry, but I thought she was you and I didn't mean it and I shouldn't have kissed her like that and I'm sorry and I'm a dickhead and an asshole and da 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 da. Fine, whatever. Move past it. But he can't explain it. This man can't explain literally anything and I don't understand it. And then they also, for wherever they are, don't have Uber. And so, Emmy has to ask Jamie for a ride. Which, like, you have friends. You can't tell me Caitlin is your only friend. Like, why? It's unnecessary that you are asking Jamie for a ride. Because then, Jamie gives Emmy a ride to Tate's house. Because her car is at Tate's. So then Tate shows up and sees Jamie grabbing Emmy's arm. And he's all in a jealous rage and loses it. But then they go inside his house and work it out. And he lets her read his text to Natalie about, like, how much he's loved her this entire time. Which, like, you haven't even known her this fucking entire time. You can't love her. I hate unrequited love so much. Because 90% of the time with unrequited love, they don't even fucking know each other. It's like, I saw her from across the room and made up all these ideas in my head about who she would be and what she would be like and what it would be like to stick my dick in her because they always have to talk about fantasizing about sex and it's so stupid or from the female perspective it's like I don't even know why he won't notice me I do all these things and da 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 and I bet he's great in bed and it's just like why like why can't unrequited love be like I'm friends with this person and I've been friends with this person and then actually uh, accidentally along the way realized I fell in love with them but I don't know if they love me back like I just unrequited love is so stupid and 90% of the time it's based off assumptions you're making about a person so like what the fuck I don't understand I did and then of course they have to have sex and it's like mind-blowing and Emmy realizes she's in love and then it ends when they hand in their work relationship forms and Tate has booked them a trip to the big island and he says he loves her but he won't let her say it which like bro no 
That's just, again, being controlling. It's not sexy and cute that he's like, don't say it back to me. It's controlling that he's like, I get to be the only one to say it. So, like, I guess to wrap up this episode, it felt like a very smutty YA that kind of is perpetuating some things that we don't want to perpetuate with the whole, like, I can't keep my hands off you. I We're never going to stop. I don't understand the form of consent. Um, And it was just, like, I kind of enjoyed myself reading it, but it was, like, there were some cute moments, there were some funny moments, but it overall felt very underdeveloped and very minimal skimming the surface of these characters and this plot and this idea that you've set up, and I also hate unrequited love. So there's just a lot of things that I didn't like about this book. So, yeah, I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on Faker by Sarah Smith. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.